March 22nd. And now, as we turn our attention to the reading of the New Testament, our narrative today will be from the book of Luke, chapter 5, verses 12 through 28, where we'll see Jesus responds to sickness. Lepers were not to approach people, but the man came to Jesus in desperation, and Jesus healed him. The offering Jesus referred to is described in Leviticus 14, if you want to uh, take some time and read that, Leviticus 14, and pictures the salvation work of the Lord, something for us to ponder. Jesus responds to success. You know, the crowds sought him. He was very popular. But Jesus withdrew to pray and commune with the Father. He did not allow popularity to detour him from the Father's will. Vance Havner said, Success can feather our nest so comfortably that we forget how to fly. And Jesus responds to sinners. You see, he forgave the paralytic. He forgave Matthew the publican and Matthew's friends who trusted him because he is the friend of sinners. You know, we can often forget that when it comes to dealing with people in the world and of the world. Never forget that Jesus is a friend of sinners. He could not forgive the religious know-it-alls of his day because they thought they already knew it all. He could not forgive the scribes and Pharisees because they would not admit they were sick and in need of new clothes. Well, with that, let's begin our reading today here in the New Testament. March 22nd. Luke chapter 5, verses 12 through 28. In one of the villages, Jesus met a man with an advanced case of leprosy. When the man saw Jesus, he fell to the ground, face down in the dust, begging to be healed. Lord, he said, if you want to, you can make me well again. Jesus reached out and touched the man. I want to, he said. Be healed and instantly the leprosy disappeared. Then Jesus instructed him not to tell anyone what had happened. He said, Go right to the priest and let him examine you. Take along the offering required in the law of Moses for those who have been healed of leprosy, so everyone will have proof of your healing. Yet despite Jesus' instructions, the report of his power spread even faster and vast crowds came to hear him preach and to be healed of their diseases. But Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. One day, while Jesus was teaching, some Pharisees and teachers of religious law were sitting nearby. It seemed that these men showed up from every village in all Galilee and Judea, as well as from Jerusalem. And the Lord's healing power was strongly with Jesus. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat. They tried to push through the crowd to Jesus, but they couldn't reach him. So they went up to the roof, took off some tiles, and lowered the sick man down into the crowd, still on his mat, right in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Who does this man think he is? 
The Pharisees and teachers of religious law said to each other, This is blasphemy. Who but God can forgive sins? Jesus knew what they were thinking, so he asked them, Why do you think this is blasphemy? Is it easier to say, Your sins are forgiven, or get up and walk? I will prove that I, the Son of Man, have the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, take your mat, and go on home, because you are healed. And immediately, as everyone watched, the man jumped to his feet, picked up his mat, and went home, praising God. Everyone was gripped with great wonder and awe, and they praised God, saying over and over again, We have seen amazing things today. Later, as Jesus left the town, he saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at his tax collection booth. Come, be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. I am righteous. How? Self-righteous? No, it's His righteousness that He has given me. I am now right. In fact, you can't get more right than how right you are right now. You can't get more right. You can try to increase your righteousness, but it's impossible because you have been gifted the righteousness of Jesus. So you are right before him. You are forgiven before him. You are justified before him. You are accepted by him. You are welcomed by him. You are righteous. You are, your identity now is the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It's what Paul said. I am who I am. What makes me who I am is the grace of God. The grace of God is the gift of righteousness through the person of Jesus. I am now, my identity is now hidden in Christ and who I am is as righteous as Jesus is. This is my righteousness. Paul says to Timothy, instead of all these quarrels and slander and suspicion and envy and strife and division, I want you to live the opposite way and I want you to orient your life around the gift you have received in Jesus. Now notice, it always starts with righteousness. But notice what what righteousness makes available to you and to me. Notice the progression. He says, pursue righteousness. But what's the next? Godliness. Which is to say, when you orient your life around the gift that you have received in Jesus, that you are right with him, it leads to God awareness. So pursue righteousness, which leads to God awareness. And God awareness, which again is not self-conscious, it's God conscious. I truly believe what I said a moment ago. One of the most powerful postures and positions and perspectives and mentalities for a human being to live in is this idea of being a God conscious being. To think about God more than you think about yourself. If you can learn to think about God more than you think about yourself, which by the way, the spirit of Jesus will help you every day to live like this. All of these anxieties and fears and worries and things that add to the calamitous experience we have as human beings dissipate because perfect love casts out, kicks out all fear and all anxiety. That God awareness, you remember that he's sovereign, he's in control, he's sure, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is immutable, which means he never changes. And all of a sudden, a God aware person becomes steadfast, courageous, immovable. All of a sudden, these amazing things unfold 
in your life because you have accepted righteousness, which has led you to God awareness, which leads you to what? Faith. Pursue righteousness, godliness. So as you pursue righteousness, it'll lead to God awareness, which will lead to trust. And the just shall live. You know what the just means, right? Justified by grace. The just means, and the righteous shall live by what? Faith. Not by sight, but by faith. We've never needed more trust in God right now. It is very difficult to trust any of those who are in political power at this point. It's very difficult. I'll just say it's difficult. It's challenging. But our trust ultimately goes to a God who is in control of our country and every country and every continent and the world itself. So righteousness leads to God awareness. God awareness breeds trust in my life and trust leads me to love. This affection and affinity and emotion and passion for God and for people. And can I say this? If you love God, you'll end up loving what he loves. And you know what God loves? Not really categories. God didn't die for political parties. He died for people. Jesus didn't die for policies and procedures and economies. He died for people. What Jesus loves is people. He's passionate about all people. The people you disagree with, the people you have those opinionated discussions with at the water cooler at work, Jesus loves them as much as he loves you. Psalm 65, verses 1 through 13. The worship goes up. Our worship goes up. That's the direction of it. This is a harvest psalm for believers who want to thank God for His goodness and care during another year. Praise and prayer go up to the Lord from the hearts of grateful people. We're told that in everything we are to give thanks. As my friend Jeff Wickwire says, pause to praise, think to thank, and will to worship. We'll see the witness reaches out. You know, the worship goes up, but the witness reaches out. The ends of the earth need to hear about the God of grace and glory. He reveals himself to them in creation. But they must be told the good news of salvation. God has provided atonement. God blesses you that you in turn might be a blessing to others. Now the wealth comes down. The worship goes up, the witness reaches out, and the wealth comes down. How good he is to send the rain, fill the rivers, and water the fields. The fields provide food for the flocks, and they rejoice at his kindness. You know, we take the rain for granted until, of course, it does not fall, and then we learn how much we need it. You can find joy in God's goodness at the beginning and ending of each day. So, do not wait until the crowning of the year to praise Him. Remember, pause to praise, think to thank, and will to worship. Psalm chapter 65, verses 1 through 13. For the choir director, a psalm of David, a song. What mighty praise, O God, belongs to you in Zion. We will fulfill our vows to you, for you answer our prayers, and to you, All people will come. Though our hearts are filled with sins, you forgive them all. 
What joy for those you choose to bring near, those who live in your holy courts. What joy awaits us inside your holy temple. You faithfully answer our prayers with awesome deeds. O God, our Savior, you are the hope of everyone on earth, even those who sail on distant seas. You formed the mountains by your power and armed yourself with mighty strength. You quieted the raging oceans with their pounding waves and silenced the shouting of the nations. Those who live at the ends of the earth stand in awe of your wonders. From where the sun rises to where it sets, you inspire shouts of joy. You take care of the earth and water it, making it rich and fertile. The rivers of God will not run dry. They provide a bountiful harvest of grain. For you have ordered it so. You drench the plowed ground with rain, melting the clods and leveling the ridges. You soften the earth with showers and bless its abundant crops. You crown the year with a bountiful harvest. Even the hard pathways overflow with abundance. The wilderness becomes a lush pasture, and the hillsides blossom with joy. The meadows are clothed with flocks of sheep, and the valleys are carpeted with grain. They all shout and sing for joy. Proverbs chapter eleven verse twenty-three. The godly can look forward to happiness, while the wicked can expect only wrath.